This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast that covers all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I may be joined as always by my good friend, Nate. What's up, Nate? Hello, AB. Hello, beautiful listeners out there in the internet. Um, nothing's going on. Approaching the holiday here. I am off work as of now, so that's great. How about how about you? How are you doing, Aaron? Uh, I'm very jealous of that. Still working. Um, have a brief due on Friday, so I'll be working probably through Friday. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I had a root beer. And a bag of popcorn during Dynamite, and that helped my mood, to be honest. Wow, root beer on the menu tonight. I see another root beer in our midst. Yes, that reminded me, because uh, also joining us, my good friend, Mike Spears. And folks, maybe he's drinking a diet root beer? Yeah, I am a sicko who, (laughs) yeah. If I'm not going to be killed by corn syrup, I'll be killed by other means. So, yeah, I'm having a refreshing diet. It's not no longer diet. It's A&W Zero Sugar, which, you know, okay. replacement grade root beer. You know, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't have caffeine. So that's really what it is. And I wasn't really wanting any fizzy water tonight. So going through root beer. All right. That's fine. Whatever it takes. Uh, Nate, when's the last time you drank a root beer? Oh, um, I don't recall. I do like the fizzy, as uh, if you heard our appearance on the Street Fight Patreon. I have been drinking some 7-Ups lately. Got another 7-Up here. I don't really know why. I have the idea in my head that a fizzy beverage is going to help me speak better on the microphone and better enunciate and have a clearer throat. I don't think it's been uh, the case once ever. Uh, but it is a recurring urban legend in my mind. I think the mood move would be a warm beverage, really. But uh, I'm, I'm out of tea bags, so. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, people say like lemon. I think like mm-hmm. a, a lemony drink. Well, or this just is, lemon, I guess. Uh, of course, lemon lime flavored. <laughs> yeah, that, corn that's syrup the same water. Thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, you got that covered. Yeah. Uh, I used to have a very weak voice. If I was going to be talking longer than like 15 to 30 minutes at a time, it would completely shred me. I used to make like the most disgusting tea, hot tea, where I would put, uh, this is before I found uh, the throat comfort, but it was just decaffeinated green tea with like four slices of lemon and counting to five while squirting in honey. And it was, a dis- it was disgusting, but it worked. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think the thing about the fizzies is like, I can do some fizzy drinks if I'm recording and I'm talking and some I can't. And it's weird to like certain brands of uh, uh, seltzer. I can't do like, I cannot have a La Croix and record or else I'm going to be burping the entire time. Like I'll be hitting my mute button more. So just like like the bubbles just maybe it's something with my humors and my ether that the bubbles and LaCroix just offset it. It's too it's too much of a sour uh stomach and I, I was gonna I say know. your humors. Yeah, your humors I think are definitely the culprit. Yeah. Uh, all I can think of now is is Mike uh he's in the the Rocky Four montage 
and like the the end goal is doing a podcast and he's like doing all the uh, the things that he was discussing with the the green tea and the the lemon and the honey uh but it's but it's rocky four you got you guys know what i'm saying is the rocky four montage any different than the other five rocky montages yes yes yeah yeah rocky four is hearts on fire Right, but they're also all, they're all the same montage, right? He's training. No, this one's in no. the snow, and and it's and it's put up against Ivan Drago, a uh, boxing sure robot. In the snow in at least the first two. But okay, but he's got si- he's, he's got no like weights okay. and shit. I mean, he's like you know, uh, yeah, he's that's, the man that's against the, the elements. Of, yeah, the, the first one he's boxing against cuts of meat because he doesn't no. have any weights. But this one's also contrasted with Ivan Drago boxing a robot and taking a whole lot of steroids and then measuring his steroid okay. things. But whereas... that wasn't part of Aaron's comparison. Aaron, Aaron's metaphor did not involve robot boxing. I mean, I think it is mine. It did involve steroids, though. Um, right. And we know, yeah, we know Mike's not on the gas. So you guys another remember, distinction. What, what was the robot fighting show? Real Steel with Hugh Jackman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he it? made a uh, he made a WWE <laughs> Raw appearance and broke Dolph Ziggler's jaw. I think. <laughs> but wasn't there an actual show? Uh, like, oh, Robot Battle Wars. Or yeah, Battle, Battle Bots. Yeah. Also, yeah. also discussed Battle Bots on the Street Fight Patreon, or at least I brought it up. Did we? Fuck. Yeah, he was talking about drone racing. I think. Oh, that's right. That's right. See, I know we did that show, and then I thought. I saw somebody say it was up, but I never saw like a tweet or anything about it. So I wasn't actually sure that it was posted, but I guess it's out there. I'm also relying on it. I think Mike just said that it was up. <laughs> <laughs> it came up in I, my podcast feed. I was going to say, okay. I subscribed to Street Fight Patreon. So you think I would know this, but, uh, but I don't. So uh, if you subscribe to the Street Fight Patreon, we're on there apparently. So go check it out. Uh, if you want to know more about us at everything AEW is our Twitter account. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast, please. Uh, we have a link tree. I figured it out because it's like, if you just think of EE, you can remember this because it's link tree, but the period, the dot is between the R and the EE slash everything Fuck. AEW? Everything Elite? Not sure. It's link, linkter.e. It, it, is that right? It, it's linkter.e uh, slash everything AEW. Okay. So go to that. You can find all our shit, but you can find our podcast feed, all that stuff. Or just look on whatever podcast app you use. If you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so, really the only way to do so, if we're talking about uh, money here, it's to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite. A great Christmas gift for yourself is a Patreon subscription. All right. Well, we're going to do as we not always do because we didn't do it last week, but we're going to play elite or delete. I should have said the, the grand return of elite or delete to the everything elite weekly show. Uh, it's the part of the show where we say what we like and what we don't like from this week's episode of AW Dynamite. We'll kick it off with Nate. Nate, what is your elite pick? What was your favorite thing from tonight's episode? Well, wrestling is back. They brought wrestling back yet again. Uh, there was a couple couple weeks there where AW was in the mud and wrestling was dead, but they've once again resuscitated wrestling. 
I'm going to go with the main event. Darby Allen, Sting, CM Punk against Maxwell Jacob Friedman and FTR. Just, I don't know. This is like, this is like the ceiling maybe of when you can call a match fun. This is like the max fun match after if a match gets any better than this you have to start saying like oh that's a great match of the year candidate kind of thing this is like a maximum fun match i think not the not the podcast network but in in terms of wrestling denotations uh just the blast you had the baby faces i talked a lot about that baby face match they did with moxley kingston and darby against 2.0 and daniel garcia and how great that was to feature on your tv and just be like Hey, here's three guys you love. Here's the baby faces. They're just going to kick ass and have fun and they're going to be cool and they're going to look like they like hanging out with each other. Uh, and they're all going to have their little character moments. Uh, and this was like the evolved version of that. Even you had a pretty gay, pretty great through line throughout the match of CM Punk trying to get his hands on MJF and MJF can, can continuing to flee uh, and just trying to evade him at all costs. They did some, you know, goofy house show shit with MJF running up and through the concourse and CM Punk giving him chase. Uh, you know, Darby doing his standard kick-ass stuff where he's just like doing the coolest hip toss you've ever seen or like, you know, doing his little drop kick where he just seems to thrust at the peak of his jump better than anybody else does it. Uh, and then you had Sting. Sting, who is just the fucking man. Uh Going out there, lighting the crowd on fire in Greensboro, um, you know, doing the classic spots, doing the yam bags, doing the no sell, uh, doing a dive to the outside right after MJF, you know, seemed to land on the crown of his head. Uh, it was just a blast to watch. Crowd was into it. There was a moment during the ad break, I believe, where bad guys were getting the heat on sting and you know sting was down and selling waiting for the ad break to end so he could do his comeback and you know get the hot tag or whatever and somebody in the crowd like took i don't know it, like a metal trash can or something there was something in the building that they were hitting and making a big metal sound and instantly the entire crowd just followed along with it and is like yes that's gonna clap that made it feel like a real sporting event like it was you know, a uh, 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 high school basketball game or a college football game where somebody was stomping on the bleachers and it was just like reverberating throughout the whole thing. And it made the baby faces feel like, oh, they got the home field advantage here. This is like a real partisan crowd getting behind their guy. Uh, and that was awesome. Uh, and then you had a great finish with all the baby faces getting their finishes. Uh, Darby doing a crazy coffin drop all the way across the ring. You had... Great commentary with uh, Taz getting in his last day of high school jabs at the other commentators like, hey, I'm done with this job. I can say whatever I want now. Uh, and they were just having fun with it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is why we love trios matches so much because you get so much. You get just enough of every guy that you want to see and you always get it in a hot mat match package. Uh, so, yeah, main event was elite IMO. Yeah, it's just something, it, it's nice. Wrestling is back. We have the big-time energy now. Like, that was a match straight out of the big-time wrestling shows that happened in Spartanburg. And I was just like, all right, Sting is just a goddamn star. And we basically just got a half hour of uh, something that 
I know we've talked about kind of loosely, but but the idea that in wrestling, as in a lot of life, uh, history is won by or history is written by the survivors, the winners. So for the last twenty years, we've had the narrative about how wrestling was for such a long time because that was the story that WWE told. However, this match gave us a glimpse of what the history would have been if WWE did not get a chance to write that history. Instead, we got a company calling back to the most one of the most important venues in a region of the country with one of its biggest stars and just going out there and just showing their whole ass and having a great time. Like it was something that each time Sting would do something that the crowd was going nuts for. I was getting more and more into it. I'm like, Sting is the greatest. Like, like I just like watch him do more cool stuff. Like him just like slowly going for that dive and going heavy. And the way he like landed on MJF on that dive just put a smile on my face. And it's it's just like this is the kind of thing that I was hoping they would do if they did not put the rock and rolls on TV, which I will forever say that that was a bad move. They should have. Whenever they're at a big Crockett building, they should go get the Rock and Roll Express. Come on. It's like a free 1,000 tickets sold right there. But it was the right thing to do for like the venue and the right thing for like the era and the promotion that they were having an homage of tonight. Yes, I am not being whatever. I just think Sting and Billy Gunn should be on top in this promotion. I think Sting and Billy Gunn are uh, the biggest stars in the company, the best workers, and there's no reason they shouldn't be running roughshod over the rest of the roster. What are you not being in this moment? You said, I'm not being whatever. Ironic. Not being ironic. I think you're being a little ironic. No, I, I genuinely think this. Okay. I mean, wouldn't you like to see Sting and Billy Gunn on top of this promotion, Nate? I think um, I think they use Sting perfectly in this promotion because uh, every time he comes out and wrestles, I'm still excited to see it. Every time he does his four spots that he does, the no-sell, the handbags, uh, I'm still excited for it. Uh, if he was doing it every third week, I would not be as excited for it. Billy Gunn... Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think they could use Billy Gunn more. I think they could use the Gun Club more than they do. Uh, but yeah, you know, <laughs> one month into a Billy Gunn top guy push, we would definitely be calling the promotion dead and saying, oh, they're putting the belt back on Attitude Era, guys. He has no idea. They're going back to the well. Uh, that's for sure what we would be saying. Not me, for sure. I definitely would not do that. Uh, Here's the thing about Sting. You make him champion and then you book him like Brock Lesnar. He shows up like once every few months or whatever on TV. I think it'd be great. So that's basically he could appear as often as he does now. He's just the champion of your company. That's my pitch. Yeah, I mean, I don't that's that's not the worst. They could make that work. That could be workable. He was. He was just great. He was wonderful. It, it doesn't. Of- it, so that would work if this was a different promotion where you could have him beat a bunch of guys in four minutes. But that's not what this promotion is. This is a promotion where your champions have to be able to do 60-minute matches all the time. Indeed. Uh, on top of all the cool spots he normally does, he also did the, uh, the spine buster without leaving his feet, which, you know, 
for me, I thought it was just <laughs> him being an old man and not wanting to, you know, bump on his knees. Uh, but I always forget who says things, but someone in the Discord uh, called it out as a, a Ron Simmons shout out. And uh, I'm just choosing to believe that in Greensboro on this very WCW night that uh, Sting was just doing an homage to to Ron Simmons. So, yeah, I loved I loved it. It was fun. It was just when we were on light this morning, Mike, we were talking about, oh, it's like a fun show for the holiday. That's like you don't really have to watch this episode and you won't miss anything. But if you do watch it, you're going to have a good time and it's not going to be too weighty or whatever. And that's pretty much exactly what it was. So this was like a great way to end it where it was somehow they did 30 minutes <laughs> with this match, I guess, including entrances and, and what happened after the match. Uh, but it was like a good time. Good Christmas present. Well, you can yeah. tell they went a long time because all, especially Punk and Sting being the older guys in the match, looked crazy by the time the match was over. All their face paint, they looked like they'd been in an actual fight. There was a bunch of somebody's blood on them. Uh, that was also a highlight of the match is just how super crazy, uh, you know what? I'll say it, how insane they look. Yeah. The, they look insane. Quotia was just off the scale. Like it, as soon as, as, as things showed up wearing CM Punk, like stenciled face paint and a CM Punk t-shirt, we should have known like, Oh, w w we're going to go to some places where humanity hasn't been before. And I felt like that they reset the, they look insane scale with this match. Especially Punk. Punk just looked wild with that face paint. All right, Mike, it's up to you, bud. What was your elite pick for this week? So, like, the issue about, like, a show that's just genuinely good vibes, like this one, is, like, nothing, like, super peaks incredibly high other than the main event, other than Sting being the biggest star in wrestling. So, from there, you have a lot of very good to pick, and... Uh, I really, really enjoyed Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. I like that with Griff. He's someone that if you... Uh, he doesn't show up a lot on uh, broadcast. I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to call Dynamite and Rampage broadcast. But on the YouTube stuff, Dark and Elevation, you get to see that he is someone that's kind of known as like a heavy hitter. He will crack one. And him and Malachi Black, like the, the sequence that... that that went into the finishing stretch with Black's like jumping knee and then Griff was down and then it was like just the faintest quad kick out of Malachi Black and teasing like he was going to set up for the spinning heel kick but instead did the did the half crab and then still deciding oh Brian Pelham Jr. he's going to try to get in there for his buddy he's going to get cracked and that rocked and I really appreciated this in a match without any goop and without evil Julia we got just two guys just cracking on each other in that rock. Yeah, this is a really strong match. Uh, the Just from the, the opening moment, it was clear that they knew what this match should be with Griff. You know, he's the hot-headed guy pissed off about his, uh, his friend getting black misted. So he charges across the ring immediately, and Malachi Black just kicks him in the face and puts him down immediately. Uh, and then just is like, yeah, you, you fucked up, kid. Uh, so that was perfect. Um, but you know, you, you see a lot of the upside in Griff in this match too. uh, the dive to the outside where he's like riding the top of his head and then getting the big baby face fire was also strong. Um, and you know, Brian Pillman plays a convincing baby face. 
Uh, so when he came in after the match and ate the black mass, that was also pretty sick. So yeah, this I think exceeded my expectations. Um, you've got a team here of baby faces who I hope they're, you know, committed to working out in the long term and, and not, you know, setting up a, a split or something after their discord last week. I, th- I think that was probably just a little, little character moment or something. Um, but yeah, this exceeded my expectations. I was, uh, pretty impressed with how perfectly this match was laid out. Uh, honestly, this is the, the kind of great TV match that they should do more often. It's like in, uh, in, in TEW and EWR, the booking simulator, you know, you have all these match notes you can put in there like, Oh, this would be a match where you do Griff Garrison versus uh, Malachi Black. You do, I don't know what it was, eight minutes, something. Uh, and you do keep Malachi Black strong and Malachi Black gets a decisive win. Uh, and they should do that more often instead of what they do a lot, which is they do 14 minutes and it should be an all out match where they just go out and try to have the best match possible. Uh, and, and the former is more interesting to me than the latter as a TV product. Yeah. We're all putting some G's in the chat, I guess for, uh, for Griff, we all enjoyed it. Uh, he was asking for G's in the chat earlier or maybe yesterday on Twitter. So glad we could, glad we could help. He was good. He's a guy they've really, I I hesitate to even say brought along slowly because they've kind of barely brought him along at all, really. But then sometimes he he pops up and he's uh, enjoyable. So I think he's definitely someone who they have something with if they, you know, choose to go with it. And I like the, the tag act for sure. So I was happy to see him here. I was happy to see how powerful uh, Malachi Black was, according to, uh, the color of his eye, that seemed good. So, yeah, exactly what you said, Nate, that I like when you do, like, a relatively short match where the underneath guy gets a little shine and, you know, the the actually over guy wins relatively convincingly. Like, that's good TV wrestling. Yeah, you know, I have criticized a lot of their time usage and roster usage that's you know really for all aw is mostly like an unqualified success like uh the tv is always very watchable if not very entertaining you know it's a success in the ratings it's a booming success in the box office compared to the competition um so the quibbles that i've had are like i would like to see more of this person i would like to see more of the women's division i would like to see this and that instead of who they happen to be focusing on this. Uh, but I will say an act like Brian Pillman and, and Griff Garrison as a tag team or, you know, uh, some of the other people that they use semi sparingly, they still give you some reason to care about them or, or some reason to be interested in them, some reason to be like, Hey, you know, I, I, Mal- I know Malachi black is going to win this match, but I still, want to get behind Griff Garrison because he's got this story going on with Julia Hart. And, you know, they're uh, they're an underneath babyface tag team, but young guys, we know they're going somewhere in the future. They don't have a lot of guys that they feature, if not on this show and not last week, um, that you're like, there's no reason for me to care about this person at all. There, there's always at least something where you go, hey, well, I, I have an interest, maybe not a rooting interest, maybe not a fan interest, but I have some kind of interest in both the guys in these match. Even, even the Griff Garrison was like a hometown guy. So they smartly put him on this show to be like, 
hey, he's going to be the babyface who gets his ass beat by Malachi Black, but we'll just give him that little bit of extra juice by using a guy who's from North Carolina. That's perfect. All right, I guess that makes it uh, my turn. I think I'm just going to go with the Adam Page, Brian Danielson segment on the show, which I thought was done pretty effectively, mostly because of Brian Danielson. I thought he was really excellent in his portion of this kind of promo off. And Page was able to do a, a workmanlike job and then really turn it up toward the end of this segment uh, to help us, you know, well, you had a lot of things to accomplish here, right? Because you need to show that that page is strong coming out of this 60 minute match where he wasn't able to win, but you have to have him tell us the story of why that's actually a positive thing, or, you know, want to keep us behind him. Then you also need Danielson to give you a reason to want to see him get another shot at page. And I thought they handled both of those things really well. Like I'm come out of this thinking, okay, page still seems like the, the scrappy babyface champion. Danielson still being an asshole. He had the great little line about actually, you know, John Silver hurt my leg a little bit in that match beforehand. So that's why, and you get this new twist of Danielson saying, now I'm not going to wrestle again until I get my rematch with Paige. You know, I'm going to make sure I'm 100%. So I think that's great. And it's going to make, assuming Paige is going to beat him, which of course he should, it makes Paige look even stronger, right? Because then he's going to beat him, presumably in a shorter time period when Danielson can't say anything except that he was at 100% strength. So I thought this was a really successful uh, segment, even if I'm cold on the judges idea as a, a step for the rematch. Yeah, I like this as a next step because it's a perfect logical step in what this story has been, which is Danielson, you know, had been critiquing him before the match, even saying, hey, I'm working a killer schedule. I'm working all these matches. Eddie Kingston, Minoru Suzuki, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and Adam Page wasn't wrestling at all. So Danielson now using that as a heel excuse for why he couldn't beat him. Perfectly logical, uh, you know, evolution of that storyline. I think... Danielson taking the anxious millennial cowboy thing and turning it into entitled millennial cowboy thing. I think that's a, a good heel kind of shtick that, you know, plays on something that's uh, uh, dominant in the culture and also fits in perfectly with who the Brian Danielson character is and what we believe about, <laughs> about him as a heel. Um, so those both work well. Uh, I don't, I think this, the judges thing is, is fine. I don't think, I think it's a red herring. I don't think they're going to go to the judges. I think it's going to be, a page win before that ever comes up. So um, I think that's kind of maybe even a smart way to mislead the viewers to say, Hey, you know, uh, we did one 60 minute draw. These guys are evenly matched. It could be another draw. And they're really just underlining that saying it could be a draw by saying, we're even going to go to the trouble of having judges. So that way, theoretically, when you subvert that and have page win and not have it be a draw, then it's that much more impactful. I get that idea. Um, if I had to pick one thing to be negative on, and it's not even really that I'm negative on it, uh, it just page coming out and doing like the, I don't know. His tone was a little off to me. It was a little like, Oh, I'm sad about not winning. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I didn't feel like a champion. Um, 
that was just a, a little thick for me. I mean, I, that's what the page character has been recently. Uh, and he's very over. So that's what people seem to like about Adam page is that, uh, uh, emotional sincerity or whatever that he uses a baby face. It just seemed like a little bit thick to me. Like, Hey, yeah, you don't have to be like sad and in your feelings about this one. This, you can be a little, little more confident about this one. I think. Yeah. It just felt like his comments there, Nate, where it, it just didn't feel as natural as you would expect for it, at least without portraying. And maybe that's how it kind of felt uncomfortable in that fashion. I actually kind of like, the judges and this is not even me doing the old championship committee bit i think it's something that you have page saying like no i can beat you let's do it no time limit because if i had that extra minute you would have been pinned like i have you dead to rights it's just hey, i i need to be able to beat you and i and i know i can do it without a time limit and danielson going like oh no i have I if we were judging that match, I w- I won that match. Like y- you were coming on strong at the end, but I for 60 minutes I was pretty much in control of a lot of it. So I like it from like the a wrestler's motivations. I I do wonder maybe it is that they were in Greensboro and that's why it kind of pops in my head that way. Do you think that they're going to have it? Or at least I'll phrase it this way. If they have an active wrestler as a judge, and if it's like an active wrestler that's not like Christian, but if it's like, say, all right, and also doing the judging, I haven't heard anything. I'm just throwing this name out. For example, uh, Eddie Kingston or John Moxley has returned, and he's returning as a judge here. Do you think we get a Chicago showdown, uh, uh, Terry Funk, Ric Flair? Like where he like he turns after the match there and like attacks Hangman Page because I feel like with with the amount of JCP cribbing we've we've had that feels like that could be on the offer. I wouldn't uh, expect them to go in that route, but you did say a name that I thought was interesting and the name that jumped in my head because of Greensboro, which is is this where they bring Ric Flair in to be a judge for this match? Um, and I think that's probably in play. This is this is on the one five show, right? So we're in Newark, so nobody New like Jersey. Nobody jumps out as like a New Jersey guy, as far as like a old wrestler or whatever, do they? Unless I'm Sandman. They're, they're going to have John Bon Jovi as a judge. <laughs> John Bon Jovi, Sandman, and uh, Chris Christie. Uh, Chris Christie. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite. New Jerseyan. What's New your guys' favorite Chris Christie moment? Mine's easy. It's when oh. they shut down the beaches. He shut down all the beaches after, I don't know, what was it, a hurricane? Uh, and then a drone went to some beach and found Chris Christie and his whole family on the abandoned beach all by themselves. <laughs> One of my favorite photos of all time. Uh, my favorite Chris Christie moment is when he tried to obviously call in and onto a radio show because he really wanted to be a sports talk radio guy. So then they gave him like a like a one hour like pseudo tryout, and it was all callers who just shat on him for like an for like an hour. And everyone's like, "That was one of the worst things that I've ever seen." Uh, I have a few. I'm a pretty big Chris Christie fan. Um, one, I mean, this is 
a little bit of a cliche, but of course him wanting to meet Springsteen and Springsteen saying no, like that's very <laughs> funny. Uh, very funny. Two. I mean, he did. I think, I think, uh, fucking Obama eventually hooked him up. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I think so. Cause you know, cause Chris Christie after that hurricane buddied up to Obama and all the Republicans yeah. are mad. And I think that was, I think that was part of the, uh, uh, quid, quid pro quo. Yeah, I was going to say two is when he like low key secured reelection for Obama by embracing him after the, the hurricane. There you go. Those go um, hand in hand. But three, and this uh, really, it was three, two, one. This is my favorite. And that is uh, Trump bringing him to wherever he was and uh, pretending he was going to make him vice president and then just like <laughs> leaving him on the plane or whatever. Like, I can't remember the exact details, but I no, know that. I, I, wasn't he off to the side of the of the stanchion or whatever? Yeah, like he came out and he was by the side of it. I think he, he was, was on camera frame. when he when he realized that Trump wasn't giving him the nomination. <laughs> I just I love that, but I, I think he also had like flown him somewhere, and then like maybe he met with Mike Pence while Chris Christie is like I don't know at the ho- on the beach with his family, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, a lot of funny moments in in the history of Chris Christie. Hmm. All right. Our listener elite this week, if you want to be featured as a listener elite or delete, you just got to subscribe to the Patreon, jump in the Discord. Uh, We haven't talked about this yet. Uh, Patrons, I Am The Table and Swarles both talked about the debut of Kyle O'Reilly on this show. So I I guess we need to talk about uh, KOR at some point. Yeah, that was cool. He shows up, goes right after Orange Cassidy. You know, fitting way to give uh, Adam Cole that win and still protect Orange Cassidy, who they're uh, invested in. Uh, just immediately, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, hits his his three strike combo, and it's like, well, that's better than anything Bobby Fish has done in this promotion. He did <laughs> did an elbow and a kick and a an el- an, what another elbow strike or something, and it was like, oh, that was a dozen times better <laughs> than any of Bobby Fish's little kicks. Uh, so yeah, that was cool. He he made a weird face and weirdly hunched his body around and kind of stalked all over the ring in his weird way. Love to see that. Um, yeah. I always have always liked Bobby fish. No, Kyle O'Reilly. I've always liked Kyle O'Reilly. Um, and I'm looking forward to what they do with him. Hopefully. Yeah. I, I thought it was really cool how they had him come out through the crowd and they kept the camera and maybe it was that they thought he would be hitting the ring a little sooner, but they kept the crowd, they kept the uh, camera on them as the crowd starts to recognize who it is, and they were starting to jump up and down. It was like almost like a reverse wave coming up to the front of people freaking out, and then he immediately laying out a best friends. Uh, I thought that it was uh, a really solid debut. Like, he, of course, he didn't get like the reception that like Adam Cole got. You know, I mean, we're all living in the Chugs world and it's just how you rate on that scale. But it just like immediately kind of felt like, of course, Kyle's here. Uh, like it was very it was something that like everything happened there. And like the only thing that we didn't really get was a chasing the dragon. But I was like, oh, yeah, no, this this feels right. Like this, th- th- this rates, this isn't this isn't something where I'm just like, what are we doing here with like Tony knee sitting out in the crowd for four weeks? This was like, Oh yeah, no, uh, y- you could ask me like, uh, Mike, when did Kyle O'Reilly join AEW? Ask me that like a few years from now. And I'll be like, Oh, wasn't he like always kind of a part of it in a way? Like it had like that feeling of familiarity 
very soon on. Don't know how much I like this Undisputed Era Young Bucks thing that they're kind of going, unless they like they all go like, all right, we're all on the same page. Like, unless they do that, like I don't need like night one like going where's Cole's allegiance, but you know the rest of this I thought was awesome. Yeah, I think pe- most AEW watchers are higher on the Young Bucks acting about their friends they're you know doing their faces about kenny omega or adam page or whatever um you know they haven't reached the the peak of total cringe where it's like you know gargano champa stuff um but they walk that walk that line very finely about hey you know we're we're doing acting about our characters relationships in the middle of this show um so yeah I, i would prefer just to see like the undisputed elite, I think those five guys since Kenny's out and just do an act with that. I think that could be entertaining. Uh, and then when Kenny comes back, you can do the split or whatever, and you can do the, the big six man match, something like that. Um, don't really need on night one. Like you said, Hey, I'm what's going on. Are we splitting up our stable? Are you adding some guys? I'm not comfortable with this guy. Cause just, it, it's a note that they play all the time. I think these matches eventually will all be good, of course, but I feel like the only person in the world not dying out, that's not the right word, crying out to see Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks again. It's like, ah, I feel like I've seen a lot of those matches. I think I'm cool on that. Maybe forever. It will definitely be good. I definitely think they should revisit it at least once, maybe once maximum, just as like a marking history kind of thing you know uh but yeah i'm certainly more interested in seeing like red dragon versus the lucha brothers yes um or uh uh santana and ortiz versus red dragon or santana ortiz versus anybody um but yeah they should do it once yeah after they do like the match once and then they kind of just like all right we, we've done that now let's go see uh red dragon versus varsity blondes like I'm fascinated by like what that could look like. And that's probably a eight minute match in Orlando. But like that's that that's a route I would like to see them go down. But I feel like they, they have to at least do the Bucks match once. I think I'm more interested in O'Reilly versus well, Danielson is like the easy one, right? But O'Reilly versus Daniel Garcia. I'd like to see that sounds exciting. Uh, Darby O'Reilly versus Darby sounds like a lot of fun. Lee. Lee, that's a good one. So, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of cool O'Reilly singles I mean, matches yes. I'd like <laughs> yes, to see. Yes, if you take Bobby Fish out of the equation, it does get better. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, really, uh, O'Reilly might be, I don't know about the best comp, but a better comp for Daniel Garcia than a lot of ones. Daniel Garcia is maybe like a, an actually cool Kyle O'Reilly. Like, Kyle O'Reilly is kind of cool in his goofy way where he, like I said, makes his weird body motions and stomps around the ring and stuff. Uh, but Daniel Garcia being like a guy who's like, no, nah, I'm like kind of understated and I'll never smile. Uh, and I secretly like black pink and all this stuff. Uh, I think is like, Oh, he's like actually cool. He's closer to hook on the cool scale where it's like, Oh, this young person is a wrestler who's actually cool. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus uh, Billy Gunn, Kyle O'Reilly versus sting. You know, those are kind of 
the matches I'm looking forward to. All right, well, let's get into the stuff that we uh, didn't like from the show. So, uh, Nate, what is your delete pick for this week? Uh, really, I like the whole show. I don't think there's a bad segment on the show. There's a couple of things I could delete uh, just because they are going in a, a direction or a feud that I'm not super interested in. So I'll kind of pick one of those uh, with a with a modifier on it. So uh, so Dan Lambert, happy to see Dan Lambert back. He's bringing the U back. Uh, he's one of the most over heels in the company. But now he's doing this program with Cody. Uh, and he did the same thing. He was on the show last week, right? Or was done a Rampage? He's done a Rampage, I think. I don't know. Seen him recently for sure. Yeah, he's def- this might have been his his in arena return. No, it it was rampage because Mike and I talked about it on yeah on yeah. Uh, world tour. Yeah, so maybe this is what you're going to delete. But he he's now taken a stance in his promos where he's just directly addressing and critiquing the meta booking wrestling language things, and it just feels unnecessary to me. Like, not that it's not effective, not that it's not even maybe funny. Uh, like the 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 joke about him having an impossible task to get Cody Rhodes cheered, like that's funny, um, but it doesn't feel like it's necessary to do in the text of your show. Acknowledge that it's all fake, uh, and that's basically what he's been doing these last couple of weeks. Uh, I understand the, you know, the the Jim Cornette anti millennial stuff that he was doing originally. Uh, I understand how that also rubs some people wrong way, but it was like a clear heel act. Uh, like they could not have made it more obvious. Even, even he would like sometimes, you know, give you a little wink about it, which was maybe the perfect amount to do. Uh, but here and on rampage, he's like talking about not just that Tony Khan is making the matches that Tony Khan is putting, you know, Cody on TV and wants Cody to be a big deal or putting, uh, whoever else on TV. I think on rampage, he said, Oh, he was talking about orange Cassidy, I think, and talking about how, Tony Khan's going to give Orange Cassidy a big push. And just like, I don't know, now you're acknowledging not only that Tony Khan is making the matches, but also that Tony Khan is booking the finishes and, and making Orange Cassidy beat people. And that just feels like that's an unnecessary line to cross <laughs> when the guy was already over in the first place uh, and can certainly do other things. And can even he can even address the, you know, Cornette criticisms about AEW without making it that explicit that, you know, Tony Khan's booking the finishes. Tony Khan is pushing this guy. Tony Khan is booking me in a program with Cody Rhodes. It's just, you don't have to do that and and remind everyone that it's fake. Just like dial it back one notch and be like, now I got Cody Rhodes in my business. And then it's just so much simpler and cleaner. It, it's something where I think it works at a level with Lambert being the one that's kind of both the outside observer and also being the person that it's known like how much of a traditional wrestling fan he is. Like he made such a big point about that in the lead up to the Jericho match. But it's something where like sometimes it's just like, as you said, like dial it back a notch. Like, yeah, like something like now I not deal with Cody and he rolls his eyes at Cody. And as you're saying, they put me in a tough situation. Now I have to deal with Cody and roll your eyes there. Your point's done there. Your point is, your point is made. Uh, it, it's something that I would say with Lambert is that like 
everyone I feel like at this point is so in on it. So maybe he feels like he has to do that or they want to, to kind of be like, Oh, they're in on it. So let's make sure that everyone knows what we're doing here with this. When you could, it could work out a little better with some subtlety. So I totally get where you're going from with that. Yeah. I kind of hate the whole, anytime they talk about that kind of stuff. I think I've said many times, that's just not my, not what I like in wrestling. Uh, this, it did still, as I was talking about on on World Tour with Mike, it did still feel like some of those early, like the first couple of Lambert promos that didn't work as well as it did later when he really got going and sunk his teeth into uh, the program with Inner Circle. And I think that's kind of what's going on here. He doesn't really have anything to do. You know, he doesn't have anything to say yet about what's going on. So he's kind of building up and hopefully... right. And who knows what Cody's going to give him, but hopefully it's going to get better to where he can actually say shit about Cody. And he might get the entire American Top Team Act involved too, which adds a whole lot to when he was starting to really take off. It was the fact that you had Jorge Masvidal, Junior Dos Santos, and uh, Paige Van Zant there really adding to it. So I, I feel like that... It, I, I see your point, but I think it's also like having ATT there helped out a lot. Yeah, Aaron, I think you're right that um, when Jericho got involved, that kind of simplified and cleaned things up for Lambert, that now he can address Jericho specifically and talk about and critique this one guy and make these zigs on these one guy. And that made it a, a more precise program and feud. Whereas, yeah, now it's like, he has to – he's basically doing a promo about an ideology, which is tougher in wrestling. So he kind of – you know, he he heals against the entire company of AEW. Uh, and, yeah, to do that, he ends up taking these shortcuts where it's like, the booking is bad, which is my job. <laughs> Don't take our jobs. Um, gosh, I had another, another point I was going to make. Oh, man. Brutal. Brutal podcasting right here. Maybe Dan Lambert should take my job now that I think about it. I was going to say, but with with Cody, I mean, he's right, of course. That doesn't dismiss your point, your earlier point. He's right, of course, that it's like it's going to be hard to do a program with Cody because Lambert's whole thing is, you know, being a heat magnet. And he's not he, – people are going to cheer when he says shit about Cody. So – I, I mean, they did here pretty do. much. He pretty much got cheers here when he when he took a shot at Cody being a dick. Yeah, so I don't know what he's going to do to find it in this uh, in this feud, but he's going to have to uh, put his working boots on. That's for sure. We got to keep a counter of how many other acts Cody taints or sabotages in his quest to not turn, because that's really Cody's going to get huge reactions. His segments are going to be very hot. Uh, for the foreseeable future, I think. But like Dan Lambert, who you have established as a mega heat magnet heel, is going to have that undercut because he's going to be opposite Cody. And how long is Cody going to do that to people until he turns? Uh, forever, Nate. Forever. Okay, uh, Mike, what's your delete pick for this week? I wouldn't call this a classic delete, but this is the thing other than Sting being absolutely the biggest star in the world that i'm gonna remember from this show and that is the uh the tbs title mat tournament match with ruby soho's jacket 
not coming off, like being stuck for like a minute and a half. Like that just like, as soon as I saw that, like one, I was like, Oh, that sucks. And then I started laughing. It pulled me completely out of the match. I was just laughing at like, Oh, that sucks. That really, really sucks. I, I thought the match kind of turned back around. I know that there, that, that there was a sign person who just decided to go on TV spouting bullshit that people pointed out during that match. But it just was something that like, maybe that was just me and the way that my brain's broken that the, uh, botchamania side of me goes, Oh, the, 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 uh, the arm sleeve got caught for so long there, but it just kind of was like something that like, after that, like they had a decent match. I mean, you had a lot of, uh, you, you had a lot of Vicky Guerrero, but you also had a lot of uh, Ruby bumping like crazy for Nyla, which looked great. But it just was like a very weird vibe match and was kind of started off with Ruby Soho getting attacked and not being able to get her jacket sleeve off. And it just kind of put that kind of overall match in a weird place. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't ideal. Um, honestly, what kind of a bothered me more about or annoyed me more about it was that would have been an interesting angle at the beginning of the match if the angle was oh Nyla tied her up in the in the jacket and now she's got the advantage on her and you know Ruby has to fight out of this situation um but you know they obviously weren't intending to do that so they had to just kind of get out of that and solve that problem and then go back to the match um it, you know it probably would have I think been a if they'd come out with the idea of, oh, I'm going to, you know, wrap your arms in your in your jacket and get you caught, and then that's going to be me getting the heat on you from the beginning of the match, uh, and that would have been an interesting little hook to the match, I think. Uh, I did pretty much like the match. Um, you know, had some good spots. Ruby got some good reactions. Uh, Nyla did a very cool Alabama slam into, like, the turnbuckle during the ad break. That was pretty sick. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the, the Vicky stuff is – extraneous um mostly i was like spent a lot of the match going man uh Nyla's really good like she definitely doesn't need vicky out here i don't think uh she's an effective heel already she's a defective promo already uh her her flying knee spot always looks great um but yeah they got there ruby got the got the win the big reaction you know didn't blow me away but uh they they more or less recovered yeah i guess there wasn't a lot to really dislike from the show, so I'm just going to use this as a springboard into in not really my delete. I, all of us really didn't have great like, oh, yeah, this sucked. So we're deleting this part. Uh, but last week I was really down on the the TBS tournament and the women's stuff. And I saw a couple people say like, oh, uh, why do you uh, what's the deal? And I just didn't say any anything else in more depth because I feel like I've bitched about the women's division a million times. So I, I kind of thought it was known. Uh, but I will just briefly say like, you know, it's just gotten to a point where it's hard to care about almost anything they do in the women's division that doesn't involve Britt Baker, because you know, it's not going to get any, any care. Uh, it's not going to be important. I mean, okay. We pat them on the backs when they, do a couple of extra, uh, you know, more than one story at a time. But, okay, are Serena Deeb or Hikaru Shida any, do they feel any hotter than they did before any of this happens? Uh, if we look at 
Ruby Soho. She felt like a huge deal when she first came into this company, and now she just feels like another person. Whoever wins this TBS tournament, if it's if it's Ruby, I've already said my piece. If it's Thunder Rosa, Jesus, she felt insanely huge after beating Britt in the uh, the lights out match, and now like we hardly ever see her. So it's just hard for me to get invested or care about anything they do. Um, in the women's division because you know nothing's coming of it. They announced for next week, or maybe it's Rampage, Chris Statlander versus Layla Hirsch. When's the last time you saw Layla Hirsch on anything? So, you know, I just can't care too much about it. Yeah, it's part of my kind of theory of wrestling, which is that, you know, wins and losses in wrestling don't really matter. Like, as parts of the story unto themselves, right? Like you can beat a guy 50 times and then still have him on TV every week if you want. But what wins and losses represent in a competent wrestling promotion is the level of investment that the promotion has in the guy. And that kind of informs your level of investment in a guy or in a program or a feud or whatever. So when Adam Page is getting his wins, you can get behind him safely and say, hey, I know that this promotion is going to be invested in Adam Page, so I can put my investment in Adam Page, uh, and I, you know, can somewhat trust in them not to, you know, fire him and uh, out of the blue on a Friday like the other company might do, right? Um, and then when he wins the title, I have some investment in the idea that oh, that means that Adam Page is going to be on TV a lot, and that means that Adam Page is going to have big programs with the other stars like Brian Danielson, etc. So that's what like wins and losses kind of represent, but. You're right. When you have such a, uh, a sharply segmented division like the women's division, where it's like, well, they're going to get the one match, Britt Baker's going to get a promo, and every once in a while, uh, when they're putting in some extra care, you might get what I thought was a pretty good video package on Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb this week. I thought it was pretty well done, and, and Deeb, I think, is a better character as a heel. Uh, but yeah, your investment is always going to be limited by the ceiling of. Okay, but it's still going to be one match on every show. And if there's a woman that I like and she's not the champion and she's not Britt Baker, that means, and she's like, she's Thunder Rosa. That might mean, yeah, one match on every show and Thunder Rosa gets one of those every seven weeks. Well, it's like, well, how much investment am I going to put in Thunder Rosa when I can't see her on TV reliably? It, yeah. it puts a hard cap on that. And that's, yeah, I think that's, it, it, that ties right in with just giving people time uh, you know, engenders in investment in them uh, for the audience and lets you know, hey, it, you know, you can bother to care about this person because uh, we're going to pay back your investment in some way. Yeah, and even if within the context of Hikaru Shida and Serena Deep, the, the, this feud, if you're looking at it from like a deep standpoint, it's given Deep something to do for like the first time in a year while she's been healthy. So like that's that's fine. But then when you like look at how they chart out this feud and you look at this feud has been going on for a long time and it just has not that they've just forgot about it and then brought it back up there. And it's not really as rewarding as something where it builds upon TV week after week after week. And the, the, the Thunder Rosa is such a great example of this because if if you're watching TV, if you give them three hours of investment a week, you will see her like once a month, you will see her. She'll make a she'll make appearances here and there, and it 
and recently has been in the TBS title tournament context. It, in order to like follow her, really, you have to go to YouTube, and that's like still like you won't know if she's going to be on Dark or Elevation until the day of, unless unless if you're someone who avoids spoilers, you're not going to do this. And then you see her on Elevation, like she had a match on Elevation. It was taped in Texas. But she was like one of the most over people at the entire taping in Dallas. And you're just kind of going like, well, you you know she's a star. We've seen her be a star on television and she's being a star on YouTube. And you're just like, that's just like that cap. You're just like, I can't get too ahead of myself about this because they're not going to have her on TV every week doing that. And you're going to have to devote your time and give more of an investment and that's something that's just a really hard ask at this point to do i mean if you look at viewership versus youtube numbers like there is a translation thing and they do eventually get really in the high uh six figures over a week and viewership but it's not always going to be like an immediate thing when you compare that to it. It's not like within 24 hours. It's something that people go back and they go and watch. So it's not it's not really like showing that there's a incredibly huge connection between people who watch everything and people who just watch what's on TNT. Our listener uh, Delete, uh, we talked about the good parts of this earlier, so I thought I would throw it to uh, our friend and patron Chelsea, who deleted the white paint around Puck's eyes. She called it uncanny valley territory. So it the the body paint was real interesting tonight because you have Darby's who always kind of has like the style they can tell it was brushed on, right? You could tell like that it was like physically like painted on. Both Punk and Sting look like that they kind of had like adhesive masks on in a way, especially like Sting's like the whiteness with us. And I, I with Chelsea, like I, I pointed out in the Discord, I was like, oh, the face paint, like the crow's feet are cool. I love bitter old Punk. I love like old man Punk. But it really kind of popped in a way. I was like, oh, Punk, you know, it, it's neat he's doing this, but it's also something that you have to remind yourself that Punk is not the 20-year-old coming out to Miseria Cantare anymore. All right. Well, man, we haven't gone that long on uh, Elite or Delete in some time, but we've probably talked about most of the show, so we'll uh, not have a ton to run through on the rest of the show. Uh, but the first match, how has this not come up yet? I mean, we talked about the the post-match, but we haven't really talked about the match. We had Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy. The show kicked off with The Boom, and Cole won with The Boom after some Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly uh, interference and, you know, a little uh, best friends. Uh, they came out, Cole, Fish, O'Reilly laid them out, and then we had, yeah, the Bucks out, and uh, Cole is in between his two sets of friends. So I'm really happy for you, Big Cat, that you got the 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 uh, serotonin bump right starting the show, got you the energy to put you on the train to good vibes, you know, that that's what uh, train conductor Raku has blessed us as a train of the day. That's what this show was. It was good vibes. because This was like just a really fun and well done and just like, oh, yeah, we really haven't mu- had much of an opportunity to ever see Orange Cassie in this arc incarnation versus the chugs version of adam cole and they came together and it was like oh wow they're having a awesome 15 minute match like everything was just 
exactly like how you if you're going to have interference you head it off of the pass and you're like okay we're going to get something going on here and then you could think in your head like oh bobby fish was not out with the bucks does that mean that this is time they're building up the expectation of we're going to get to see red dragon together delivering all that expectation and then we got to have more of the boom i mean aaron this was a three all about the boom night for you it was very nice. I uh, loved it a lot. I also loved, I asked my wife if she thought Adam Cole is attractive. She immediately said no, and I asked her why. And she said uh, she he has long-ass hair, which she hates, a goatee. She hates facial hair. But the best reason that she gave was he looks like someone who would interrupt you when you talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that rules sarah rules yeah yeah just things i would never think about when considering whether a person is attractive man that's that's so good like adam (laughs) cole does seem (laughs) just very funny uh we had a a video recap of adam page versus brian danielson from last week and they announced that the rematch is going to be on the january 5th uh, tbs debut edition of dynamite and that led into the uh, Adam Page and Brian Danielson uh, segment that we talked about earlier. Then we had MJF at all backstage, uh, the pinnacle. Although I felt like they hadn't referred to them as that as in a while. And I was about to say, like, are we just not doing the pinnacle anymore? And then FTR Bald said the pinnacle. So I guess they are. Uh, MJF was mad that Wardlow wasn't there when they got attacked because he was out getting champagne. Uh, and he's kind of getting at Wardlow and he's like, wait, you know, this is not us. Punk is doing this to us. It's what he does to people. But we're a family and, you know, things go bad for Punk when uh, everything isn't about him. So just building up to the main event. Yeah. Uh, have really laying on the Wardlow turn. Uh, tease really thick now. Uh, should we start doing another meter on how much we anticipate this this turn happening? Because this felt like maybe like a new high water mark and MJF and Wardlow are not fine in Wardlow face turn. Yeah. Cause it led right into this Wardlow versus Sean Dean match that Wardlow won with, uh, with four power bombs. And you had clearly, I forget who said this, but you know, clearly like they're doing these finishes as a way to just get Wardlow more over as a baby face, just like doing the over and over the power bombs. And then Spears came in, attacked with the chair. Wardlow seemed perturbed. Uh, Excalibur puts over on commentary that it was after Wardlow had done all the work. So he's even given him babyface stuff on commentary. And then we saw Wardlow get out of the ring and walk out basically, you know, without looking at Spears, like just leaving without him. It's going to be so satisfying if we're finally getting this and he lays out uh, Psycho Flunky Spears. Like, Sean Spears has found his ideal role being the Psycho Flunky, just, like, hamming it up there, getting in there, getting his digs. And if it's paying off, like, the way that we're hoping to, that Sean Spears is going to get completely just murdered one day, he's going to have, like, the best faces while it happens, and that's going to be great. Well, Aaron, of course, if if there's a good point that comes to mind that someone said... Uh, there's a good guide for who said it first. Who would that be? It, it was me. Okay. Oh, yeah, that was a great point, Nate. Yeah, with the powerbomb spot, uh, they did correct from last week where they had Spears interrupted too quickly, which didn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, this is a nice way to get Wardlow some babyface heat 
apart from just being trod upon by MJF. It's like, no, we actually like this guy because he's also a badass, too. Then we got uh, a hype video for Cody versus Sammy on Rampage this Saturday. And that led into the uh, Dan Lambert promo that we were talking about. And then we got the the Britt Baker holiday party. Uh, before we go into this, quick question for you guys, because we were talking about this a second ago. H- how many matches, and we'll do, you know, uh, Family Feud, not Family Feud. Uh, <laughs> what's it called? What's that show called? Price is Right. Price is Right rules. Uh, closest without going over. How many matches, period, do you think Thunder Rosa had on a television program this year? That would be Dynamite or Rampage. I will go with, I think I'm going a little bit high, four. You see, I thought that I was going to be going really high here, and I was going to say 10. So let's say seven. Wow, this did not go how I anticipated that it would go. Uh, Thunder Rosa had 11 matches on oh, television so I, I, this year. I should have stuck with 10. I should have stuck with 10. I mean, you won anyway, but, but yeah. yes. I, I would have been more right. Feels yeah. like four to me. Well, it's like a huge spread. A lot of them happened early in the year. Uh, and then there's like a huge break between like May and August where she wasn't on television at all. So, yeah, that's why it feels like uh, four probably. Uh, but, yeah, here's Britt. Uh, she is having a Christmas party. I'm sorry. It's a holiday party. And she has uh, Rebel there. Jamie's there. Tony's there. Tony. Reminds her that she's never defeated Riho. Britt says, yeah, but she's bigger and stronger and she has Jamie. And Tony reminds her, of course, that Jamie also lost to Riho on Rampage. Uh, Britt asks Tony why he's bringing up old shit and tells him that she built this division. Riho's out of her league. Uh, She's going to shoot her eye out. Great brand synergy here. All right. Congratulations on your brand partnership, AEW and the Turner (laughs) Network. Hey, they're going to have a 24-hour lead-in of the Christmas story on Saturday. That that did not, like, that synapse did not fire until Britt said that. And I was like, wow, the, take that, the accountant. Now you have 24 hours of that. Uh, uh, the start of the segment, as one would expect, was Rebel completely cheesing in the side of the frame, drinking champagne, and, and playing drunk the entire time. Uh, SB did not like the tie it with a Christmas story and she proceeded for the next, I don't know, 10 minutes to tell me other Christmas movies quotes that uh, Britt Baker could have used that would have worked better. So, well, SB should have watched BTE this week where the dark orders whole bit was quoting Christmas movies. Okay. I'll, I'll pass along that suggestion. Don't actually. Yeah. <laughs> she wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> uh, then we had a video about Owen Hart and his influence uh, as a wrestler and a person. And this was all leading up to, uh, you know, a, this was already announced, right? But they're just reminding us, I suppose, that the Owen men's and women's tournaments are coming next year. Uh, they'll start in May and culminate at Double or Nothing. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, we got New Japan and Stampede footage. Stampede, I thought, was kind of interesting because that's been a library that's been in a lot of doubt because Bret Hart 
not giving WWE authorization to put any of his matches up. So I don't know who technically is the Stampede's right holder. Getting the New Japan stuff was really cool. Mark Henry talking about uh, Mark Henry talking about oh, you have to be a good river, and Matt Hardy wearing a 24 t-shirt was was all good but this was this was a nice segment i thought this was really touching yeah it was i do have a uh criticism which is this was very touching you had a nice uh mum with the crowd clapping and chanting owen and stuff uh and then they had the heel enter first for the next match for some reason and asking the crowd to turn on a dime and saying hey you're enjoying that uh nice video package well now here's the heel you need to boo her immediately like just have the babyface enter first, and then the babyface kind of rides that wave of we have good feelings about Owen. Now let's cheer for the babyface. That's a great point. Uh, that would have been nice. Uh, I also thought it was a nice uh, video package, and uh, good to see Owen. And it's good to see like weird footage that you don't normally see on wrestling television. That was cool, uh, but also funny to me. And I know they didn't mean it this way, but Mark Henry and. Uh, Dustin Rhodes were both they both seem to be suggesting that being like very Owen being very good to his family and Owen Owen being very good at pulling pranks on other people were like equally good <laughs> that was like <laughs> so I really liked how those were the main things they were like he's a great wrestler great family man funny you know really uh did hilarious pranks that really fucked people I just thought that was very funny so thank you to those guys Yes, the TBS tourney semifinal was next uh, with Ruby Soho defeating Nyla Rose. No idea what to call the finish. Avalanche, no future kick. Sure. One of the uh, bosses in the new level 90 dungeon in Final Fantasy fourteen has a move that's called no future. And every time I think about Ruby Soho. Then we had uh, the Serena Deeb vignette that we talked about. Uh, you cheated it's for my Aorzia heads out there. Shout That's out to vote UJ Rantmo <laughs> on my Warriors of Light. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Other people I've forgotten in the Discord. Uh, Deeb said that Sheeta has never decisively beaten beaten her, and this will go on and on. To which I can only respond, it already has. Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. Black one with a single leg crab. And then he spin kicked Brian Pillman Jr. afterwards. I got a surprisingly large amount of faves by simply tweeting that Malachi Black had canceled Brian Pillman Jr., which I was expecting like two. Not a, a very little, good little tweet. Low hanging. Yeah, exactly. Hey, yeah. Not Sometimes you play some coach pitch, man, and you gotta hit that ball when the coach offers you a fat ball. I needed it, man. It's been a it's been a low engagement month or so on the old Twitter account. You'll never go broke on Twitter underestimating the intelligence of the American people. <laughs> that's right. That's why my f most popular tweet of all time was just George Women Bush. <laughs> 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 so you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, that tweet's still very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I just didn't know it was going to be that. Uh, people are going to like it that much. Uh, Matt Hardy was backstage with Private Party. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy is going to pound Jungle Boy's ass, he tells us. Jungle Boy then was backstage with Luchasaurus and Christian, and he said, no, you're not, uh, but I'm going to put Cole up your ass. Yeah, just glad to see Private Party get a little opportunity here to do something. 
Uh, I have really been enjoying Isaiah Cassidy's character personality development in particular. Uh, so then bringing that to TV and, you know, giving him a shot to to get some fire lit under a private party is good to me. Yeah, uh, just uh, Jungle Boy's delivery of his lines. Like, he's making that step in. That that was great. Like, and, like, I think it's, like, a nice way with, like, Isaiah Cassie taking a step forward. And I think that's, like, a that's a pretty fun rampage match for, like, a four-match rampage. Thanks, Mike, for retweeting the the George Women Bush. I I I mean it, it made me it made me smile. I I had to give that a retweet uh, for those who and, and now people who are not going to listen to this until this is released tomorrow morning will be like, why did Mike retweet a one year old <laughs> thirty thirty seven hundred? Wow, I didn't realize you were getting this numbers on this, Aaron. Brother, this has forty two thousand likes. I didn't. Gee. I'd forgotten that there was a picture. I thought it was just out of context. No. But no, it, it's basically just a description of the picture. <laughs> yeah, it's the best post you can do. <laughs> What's funny is okay, so the post is a picture of a t shirt, and the t shirt says W stands for women, and then it has uh, georgewbush.com at the bottom. And so, I mean, it was after I did the post that I was like, oh, the play on words here is like stands up for women, right? But it just reads like <laughs> his middle name is women. This really, I mean, like Mike said, this is his dad. Oh, so sorry. His dad, George Hot Women Bush. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dumb. You <laughs> asshole. That's so fucking dumb. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Nate. Uh, Mike calling you an asshole is maybe the funniest thing on here. Um, uh, I, what was I? Oh, this this is from 2020. This is from last year, but it could just be from that uh forgotten bush era memes account where it's like from some 2002 forum signature post <laughs> yeah uh no i just saw that on i saw that t-shirt on like depop or whatever as i was scrolling <laughs> i just i thought it was funny <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought we were. We were, I don't know. Thought maybe ass play would be like a funny. No, it's, uh, there, it should be. It should be. Became... It should be George harassing women, but <laughs> yeah. Remember when he got called out for sexual harassment like a month before he died. Yeah, yeah he he died as like a way to cover up that uh, that story. <laughs> <laughs> it's like very reminiscent right, of, of the Okada uh, Shibata thing. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> he's like the the people around him are just like bro we gotta pull the plug we can't we can't take this heat you're killing the bush family brand yeah we got a george p bush we have to save the legacy for george p fucking uh oil and uh what is he the he was the train commissioner like suddenly the most powerful person in texas was this third generation fourth generation sorry fourth generation asshole it was george penis bush (laughs) (laughs) 
Nate, you're trying, but it's not going to reach George Hotwoman Bush. I'm sorry. <laughs> George Penis Bush is pretty good. Okay. MJF and FTR versus CM Punk, Sting, Darby Allen, Punk pinned, uh, FTR balled after a GTS, Scorpion Death Drop, and Coffin Drop. What I mean, what a way to send the fans home happy. Yeah, we talked about it at length. We did. All right. That was Dynamite. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We are 100% solely supported by uh, our patrons. So head over there. Uh, we do a bunch of shows. We talk about everything on AEW that they do. We do bonus shows. I did a show about Starcade last week or two weeks ago or something. Mike just did uh, a Mike's Tea Break episode about the the end of Ring of Honor, and it is getting uh, excellent reviews. So we just we're bumping out hot content all the time on the Patreon. Yeah, I decided that before the end of the year, and I wanted to leave a couple of weeks after the news about Ring of Honor to kind of see how things were starting to play out. So set down. Uh, this one was like a old school tea break where I just did it all in one take. Had a rambling conversation talking about what it is to be a th the third promotion. Is there a place for a third promotion? And then I talked about like one of my favorite moments in Ring of Honor history or like backstage history that never is really talked about to close it out there. But thanks to everyone who likes it. I like doing these things and 2021 we'll have more of them. What a tease leaving a mystery of what is the moment that Mike talked about? What a pro. That was, that was so good. That was excellent. Uh, yeah. So we got that. I think, you know, we've talked about our, our awards show. I think we'll, we'll probably push that to, uh, to January. We've done, we've done a lot of content in December. So I think, uh, we'll have that ready at the beginning of the new year, sometime around the beginning of the new year for everyone, where we'll go through all our categories, all the best things. And I don't think we do any worse things in our awards, uh, from AW this year. We also have a discord. So you'll want to check that out. Uh, just head over to patreon.com slash everything elite. Uh, don't forget to give a gift to yourself this holiday season. All right. Rampage this weekend. I should say we're taking Christmas off. There's not going to be a world tour this week. Bad timing for me to plug the Patreon and then tell you we're not doing any content this weekend. But it's fucking Christmas, folks. So we're taking Christmas off. Uh, but Rampage this weekend from Greensboro. We got Sammy versus Cody for the TNT title. Jungle Boy versus Isaiah Cassidy. Chris Statlander versus legit Layla Hirsch and Hook in his second match against Bear Bronson. Fun show. I mean, we'll get the Cody melodrama, then three matches that could be really cool. Yeah, can't wait to uh, have, you know, my, my mother sitting around watching Hook on, uh, on Christmas night. Sounds like a, a blast. And then next week, on Dynamite, which we'll, of course, be back for. Uh, they're going to be at Daly's Place for New Year's Smash. And we've got, I almost said Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz versus Daniel Garcia in 2.0, Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends versus uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, the other TB TBS tournament semifinal, Thunder Rosa versus Jade. So she'll get a total of 12 matches on TV this year. And uh, Jim Ross will return on Dynamite next week. Do you think that they do the, because uh, I like doing either a year end or first of the year of things 
in Jacksonville even before the pandemic. Do we think that they do this so that they could have everyone already there for the Con family New Year party? Well, that's a good reason as any. Or, you know, a lot of them live there, I guess. So they think, you know, you're home for the holidays. You don't have to travel very far. Yeah, that's true. Put that like on, Orlando on JR's far. graphic, I think, is new hometown Jacksonville. That's right. That's right. So welcome back. Yeah, he posted a picture, I guess, uh, going pretty well with the treatment on his uh, skin cancer. So congrats to that man. Uh, happy for you. And uh, can't say I'm excited to have Jim Ross back, but I'm excited that he's healthy. Good for him. Okay. Well, I think that's everything. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating and review. And uh, go subscribe, patreon.com slash everything elite. All right, for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Okay.